On today's Mugurushiro podcast, Jessica has to find out who put the Barbados in her chowder when her dinner party goes south. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Murder She Wrote podcast where I watch and recap and analyze every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show Murder She Wrote starring three-time Academy Award nominee and six-time Tony Award winner Miss Angela Lansbury. Today I'm going to be talking about season four episode 12 who threw the Barbados in Mrs. Fletcher's chowder air date January... Third, 1988, yes. I'm sorry I didn't do, I didn't normally, um, I normally hum the theme music after I do the intro, but I have lots of things to talk about. First and foremost, I am so sorry that I've not posted an episode. June has been crazy. The weather has been crazy. My allergies have been crazy. Just so many things have been happening. Also... Father's Day is coming up, and it's very difficult for me because, you know, it's been a year since my father passed away, and I can't call him and tell him Happy Father's Day and tell him I love him. So, kind of been dealing with that. This episode is probably one of the most hilarious episodes that I really needed at this point in my life. Um, and I'm going to get into it, but there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, I hope everyone had a safe Memorial Day. It is to honor those who never um, made it home. And also, you can also, I think, um, honor a loved one who is no longer here, who wasn't, who did not serve in the Army. So I hope that was uh, a safe day for you. Um, in the entertainment industry, we have lost two people. Um, Trent Williams, who has been in so many different things throughout my childhood that I can't even narrow it down for you, has died at the age of 71, um, in a motorcycle accident, which is really sad, um, was a fantastic actor and very controversial minister of the 700 Club, Pat Robinson, also has passed away and most people have been saying some not nice things about the guy. Like, I know that, you know, he was not the greatest dude in the world and said some horrible things about all kinds of people, including my community, the LGBTQ plus community. Um, but I hope he rests in peace. You know, I am going to choose kindness. And speaking of my community, yes, and in case you know, I am gay. And, uh, yes, this is my Murder, She Wrote podcast here. Um, if that offends you that I'm gay, then you can just go to another podcast. It's totally fine. I understand. But this is a safe space for everyone. Straight people, gay people, black people, pink with red polka dots. I don't care. This is a safe space for all, for everyone. Because you're here. You matter. You're enough. And I hope that I can provide some sort of entertainment for you when doing this. This is why I do it. And it's helped me a lot through my grieving process with my dad. And I'm not going to give it up until I finish all 12 seasons of Murder, She Wrote. Which is taking longer and longer, it seems. But you know, it's okay. We will get there eventually. Um, it's also Pride Month, you know. So I want to say Happy Pride to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I hope it is a safe one and a fun one for you all. Um, so there's a couple of things in the entertainment industry I want to talk about. Um, I just saw like a video with a batch of new trailers that have that, that, uh, movies that are coming out, um, in theaters. Um, the new Indiana Jones movie is going to come out on June 30th, and I am definitely going to go see that. My dad took me to the last one, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, in 2008. And a lot of people hated that movie. 
I think it might have been because of the things that Shia LaBeouf might have said about it at the time. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not going to comment on that. But uh, I liked it. You know, I found it to be absolutely fantastic. And I recently watched it again on Paramount Plus, and honestly, I can say, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Just like I love The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which was also released in 2008. And a lot of people didn't like that movie either, and I don't know why. I thought that movie was fantastic. Anyway, so in the group of trailers, there is a new Mission Impossible movie coming out. When those movie, when that movie first came out, I was like five or six years old. So I was like vaguely aware of its existence, but I don't remember watching it. And over the years, people were like, oh my goodness, you have to watch these films. They're so good. So recently described to Paramount Plus, I'm absolutely loving it. I think it is fantastic. Just the way that it's set up. I just love Paramount Plus. Highly recommend. Anyway, so they had... And they now have all of them on there. But they have all the Mission Impossible movies on there now. But when I first joined, they had them all on there. And then I, I was like, okay, I'll watch the first movie. Well, I watched the first 15 minutes of the first one, which was released in 1996. Um, and I never, I don't think I've ever seen the TV show. So I was going in completely blind. Um, and... Uh, I watched the first 15 minutes, realized it was late, and was like, I'm going to go to bed, and I will finish watching it the next day. Well, I go on there the next day, it's no longer there. Um, they've moved it to Showtime. I happened to just get Showtime on my cable because I wanted to check out that show Yellow Jackets, which is very hard for me to get into because it goes from the past to the future to the past to the future, and my brain cannot handle that. It's very, it's a very confusing and hard to follow show for me. But a lot of people like it, and the performances are good. But anyway, still on the fence about that one. So anyway, um, so I went on Showtime and I watched it on demand on my on my Spectrum cable. And I guess because I watched the first fifteen minutes on Paramount Plus, and then had to watch the first fifteen minutes again. I figured out the entirety of the film. Like, normally I'm not smart when it comes to things like this. And it takes me a while to understand things. But this was, like, so obvious. At least to me. Like, who the villain was and what they were trying to do. And all the the setup and the and the exposition and all of that. It, it just, for me, it did not work. There were a couple of things I thought was cool. You know, like when um, he goes to this restaurant that has like fish tanks in it or something and he blows it up i thought that was amazing and then when he like lowers himself into that security thing and hits almost hits the floor or something apparently during one of the takes according to imdb tom cruise actually hit his head um but i don't know if that's true but anyway it was like i couldn't get into it and there have been, like, several films in the franchise released, and they're releasing another one. And, like, I watched the trailers for all the other ones, and, I, and they didn't seem appealing to me. Also, apparently they really made the cast from the original television show very angry um, with the way they treated the character that was the villain. Not going to say no more, but yeah. So no no one from the TV show wants to participate in any of these sequels. But everyone did their own thing. Don't know why it became a franchise, but everyone did their own thing. A new fan Fast and Furious movie is coming out. Um, and so many people are going to be in it. Um, too many actors to name. But um, I remember when this first came out in 2001... And it was just about them stealing cars and racing them or racing cars to own cars or something of that effect. And I can't believe how far, you know, it's been expanded and how far it's become. Because, like, when they started backing cars out of, like, flying planes and cars blowing up for no reason at all, I was like, yeah, I'm out. 
And uh, so, I don't know. It's kind of strange. It's kind of weird. But everyone their own thing. There's going to be a new Expendables movie. Like, I thought the first one was really interesting. Really great with all the cool action stars that we grew up with. But it's like they're now into the fourth or fifth film. And it's like, okay, I don't know. But again, everyone their own thing. And then there's a film that I'm very like on the fence about. And that is The Color Purple. I saw the trailer for that, for, for that, and honestly, I'm on the fence about it because the 1985 film that was released in 1985, directed by Steven Spielberg, in my opinion, is a masterpiece. It was the film debut of Whoopi Goldberg, Oprah Winfrey, breakout role for Mar Margaret Avery, breakout role for Danny Glover. You know, it is a fantastic ensemble film that, in my opinion, was perfectly cast. It doesn't need to be like it was turned into a musical in 2005 and that's what the film is. It's going to be the musical adaptation. But for me, it doesn't seem like it's a musical adaptation because we didn't see the characters singing. Only one character was singing and nothing against the people involved. But it's like this, this, the, the original movie, the original movie was based on Alice Walker's The Color Purple, which is one of the banned books recently, which I encourage you to read. Although it will take you four or five times before you understand it, because the way that it's written, it's like Celie, the main character played by Whoopi Goldberg in the original film, basically does, the book is in a series of letters of her just sort of writing to God, Dear God, this is happening, blah, blah, blah. And the way that she talks and the way that she writes is so much like the character that it's really hard to understand what's going on. Also, you have to fill in, a, fill in the blanks a lot to understand the other characters around her because she's only, she only knows what is happening in front of her. You know, so Alice Walker did not think that it was going to be adaptable for the screen but somehow they made it work. I recently saw an interview with Libby Goldberg that was from years ago where she said the double ACP um, was angry that, that Steven Spielberg had the audacity as a white director to direct an all black cast with the exception. There was a couple of white characters, um, but they did not like that. He was the one that directed it. And they would not allow Celie and Suge, because Suge, in my opinion, is bisexual. Celie is possibly a lesbian. I'm not entirely sure. Um, and they would not allow that to be explored in the film. They boycotted the film, which is why it did not win Best Picture, which is why it only got like for its costume and makeup or whatever and cinematography and all that stuff. But it was like the double ACP was boycotted it according to Whoopi Goldberg. And that was why it was not favored at the Oscars like it should have been. And I think it was perfectly cast. You know, I was introduced to that film at a very young age. It taught me about racism in this country because of what happens to Oprah Winfrey's character, Sophia. So, and, you know, I don't think that it should be banned. I don't think the book should be banned. Just like To Kill a Mockingbird taught me about racism. Like, I encourage you all to read To Kill a Mockingbird. Watch To Kill a Mockingbird. Because it tells you, don't judge a book by its cover. Not everyone is always telling the truth. Um, and not everybody is what they seem to be. And just because somebody says something about them doesn't mean it's always true. Um, and I... I recently found the Kill a Mockingbird um, at my local flea market and I decided to buy the book. Did you know that there was a sequel to it? I did not know and I can't wait to read it. I'll let you know what I all think. Um, and my cousin Amanda, who is black, um, also was a beautiful woman and taught me about racism as well and what it was like for her to be a black person in this country. And it's really sad. Um, she died from cancer several years ago. 
and I love and miss her almost every single day as much as I miss my father, who also died from cancer. I hate cancer. Why can't they find a cure for it? You know? Just frustrated. But anyway, um, but I'm on the fence about the color purple because I love the original film. I absolutely love it. And I'm, and I'm tired of them taking films that were not musicals and turning them into musicals because they take your favorite moments in the film and blow it up in musical form and it doesn't work. Like, for instance, there's this moment in the film where Mr. tells Seeley, you're ugly and you're not going to amount to a thing. And she says to him, I'm black, I'm poor, I may even be ugly, but I'm here. And in the musical, there's this big power ballad where she's doing that. And it and it's like she sings it so long that there's like no one on stage when she's singing it. And it's like, who are you singing it to? You know, and that's the only thing I remember from that musical, which is sad. Um, speaking of other films that they are thinking of remaking and they have turned into a musical, Back to the Future. Um, I was... It came up in my Discover Weekly on Spotify, and it was like, oh my god, what? So I listened to the soundtrack of the musical, which was in the West End, which is in London, and I was like, this is ri sounds ridiculous. Like, um, they have the father sing in song form, follow my philosophy, leave me alone. Um, they have... Doc have a song where he goes, it works. And then they have Marty's mother, like when he first, when she, when he wakes up, um, and finds out he's in 1955, it's like he, she, she's, she sings a song called pretty baby and how much she wants him. And I'm like, gross. And I can't believe that the people who wrote the original film wrote this musical. That is just shocking to me. And apparently they're doing a sequel. Like, I ordered pizza from DoorDash a couple days ago, and I was wearing my Back to the Future shirt. Um, and the guy was like, did you know that there's going to be a remake? That there's going to be a sequel? And I'm like, what? And I thought, well, maybe, you know, he was like, oh, look it up on YouTube. And I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe somebody made, like, a fan-made trailer. Oh, no, they're remaking it. And it's like, stop. Please, for the love of God, stop with these remakes. We want something new and exciting. There are so many books out there that could be adapted to either movies or TV shows. Why do we have to have remakes of everything? I just don't get it. I seriously do not get it. But anyway, enough about all that other stuff we need to talk about Murder, She Wrote. Because this, this episode is possibly... One of the most hilarious episodes. Well, first and foremost, it's 1988. Woo! We're now in 1988 in the Murder She Wrote timeline here, and of course, 1990-1988 gave us some fantastic movies. And the number one movie at the box office when this episode aired was Three Men and a Baby, starring Ted Danson, Steve Gutenberg, and Tom Selleck. Um, both Ted Danson was successful on television with Cheers, and of course, Tom Selleck was Magnum, P.I., um, and Steve Gutenberg was just getting his sea legs. So if you ever watch the Golden Girls and you wonder what Blanche is talking about when she's a dream and she's like, before the dream end, the only person I got to sleep with was Steve Gutenberg, and I'm not even sure who he is. But anyway... Um, so 1988 had such fantastic movies as Beaches with Bette Midler and Barbara Hershley, Big Business with Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin, um, Friday the 13th was in its seventh film, Nightmare on Elm Street was in its fifth film, and Child's Play was just getting started, and Tom Hanks had his big breakout role in Big. So... I mean, fantastic year for movies, music, and television because so many shows were going strong at that point. 
Fuller House started in 1987 and was still going strong. The Golden Girls were still going strong. Designing Women, Shears, so many shows were still going on. So just wanted to give you a perspective of what life was like when this episode aired on January 3rd. And it is so sad that they did not have any kind of Christmas episode. Uh, according to diehard fans of Murder, She Wrote, they don't have a Christmas episode until season nine. And imagine, like, the previous episode being in December and then it going on a break. And then this is, like, the episode you see after New Year's. It's incredible. And I've not laughed so hard since of an episode of Murder, She Wrote since it's a dog's life. So... Be prepared. I'm going to be laughing a lot. But we're going to get into it right now. So there is no continuity between this episode and episode 10. And we all know what happened in that weird episode. There is no mention of Loretta's beauty parlor. It's not seen in any scenes. It's like a clean slate again. Like, all the other stuff in Cabot Code that we know happened did not happen. And it's so frustrating, but I'm willing to forgive it. So we start off this episode um, with a woman getting off a bus and a man following her. We then cut to the sheriff's office. Amos is there all by himself, as he does not have any deputy to help him. He says on the phone that... The deputy that used to help get cats out of a tree is no longer there. He upped and quit on him. They say that this is continuity before if it's Thursday, it must be Beverly. But in my opinion, I don't think so. Because Loretta's beauty parlor is not mentioned nor seen in this episode. So Amos has ran an ad in the paper for a new deputy. And in walks in the woman who had gotten off the bus. This woman is Amos's sister. Winnie Tupper Bannon, played by Anne Marina. And I recognize like I recognized her almost instantly so in the last episode I mentioned that John McGlynn who played uh, Janet Lee's husband in view doom with a view um played Edmund Gray on all my children it was part of the Edmund and Maria super couple and he got married to Eva LaRue in real life well this actress in this episode who plays Amos' sister played sort of like a mother figure to Edmund and his brother Dimitri on All My Children. It was a very amazing actress on All My Children. Absolutely love her. It's so cool to see her here. She has left her husband and Amos is kind of a little distraught and in a bind. And so he decides to pawn her off on Jessica, which I think is horrible. Um, he takes her to Jessica's house, just sort of like barges in, and Jessica's like, Amos, I really would like to help you, but I am, you know, my book is due and I have to finish it. You know, I have to get it done. And I don't have time to entertain your, your sister. And she goes and looks at the pictures on Jessica's wall and she comes back in Winnie and says, who is that man with you in that picture in the boat? And she says, that was my late husband, Frank. And she said, I thought he was your husband because the two of you look so much in love. And Jessica's like, okay, she can stay. And Amos just leaves his sister in Jessica's care. Um, meanwhile, back at the sheriff's office, there's someone there to to apply for the deputy job. It's Marigold, played by Colleen Camp in her, sadly, last guest appearance. She appeared in the episode Crossed Up, where she played the killer, 
And in this one, she's playing a hilarious character that if they was to spin her off on a show, I'd totally watch her. Colleen Camp, of course, is known for being in Clue, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Tim Curry, Eileen Brenham, Lizzie Ann Down, Christopher Lloyd, Martin Mull. I mean, it just works. It's dumb. And Madeline Klein. I hope that Madeline Klein is in an episode of Murder, She Wrote. I'm just hoping for that. Hell, even Christopher Lloyd, it would be awesome if he was in an episode. But I'm not holding my breath. But you never know. We got 12 seasons, so you never know who's going to show up. But uh, I know that, you know, Clue is not a lot of people's cup of tea. But I love it. I think it's fantastic. And she was also in the Police Academy movies. And she's the type of actress that could take on any character and make it believable. And I really wish Marigold got to stay around. Because we don't see her beyond this episode. Boo! But she comes in. But she comes in. Um, and she's applying for the job because she saw it. Because got an advanced copy of the newspaper and saw the ad. And she wanted... She wants to be the deputy. And Amos... Of course, doesn't want to hire her because she's a woman. And she goes, no, now, Sheriff, I don't think you're going to be sexist, are you? She has a southern accent. And he says, no, I, I guess not. And he reluctantly hires her. Meanwhile, back at Jessica's house, Winnie is telling Jessica about her husband and why she had to leave him. And her husband, get ready for it, just so happens to be named... Elmo. <laughs> and guys, oh my god. I thought, okay. I thought, maybe the writers, I mean, maybe the writers inspired the name Elmo. Maybe Elmo wasn't around at this time. You know? Or, you know, maybe, you know, they weren't aware of it or something. So I looked it up. Thinking that Elmo debated in the 1990s because that's when he was popular, right? And still is popular to this day. Um, no. Elmo has apparently been around since 1984. But did not become popular until the mid-1980s. And of course in the 90s when Tickle Me Elmo came out. And more celebrities began doing appearances on Sesame Street. And, and talking to Elmo. Like Whoopi Goldberg and Rosie O'Donnell and so many other people. And so <laughs> I wonder if the writers were aware of this because it's so freaking hilarious especially when this dialogue starts so she goes elmo is not the same person <laughs> when i first met him he was so kind and so wonderful but lately he has he's in these weird moods one minute you know, he could be sweet as pie, and the next minute he could be a real monster. And I was laughing so hard, tears in my eyes, and I was like, yeah, I bet. But, you know, they're all monsters on Sesame Street, but they're good monsters. Good monsters. <laughs> so, she was like, I had to leave him. I had to come to Cabot Cove because I can't take it anymore. I'm not sure what I want to do. And she goes, oh no, my ulcer is acting up. I need my ulcer medicine. But Elmo has it. He owns a series of pharmacies where we live and he normally fills my medicine. Unfortunately, I don't have the prescription. And she says, I know exactly who can help you. So they go to Seth's office and Jessica literally pawns her off on Seth. And she says, Entertainer, Seth, I gotta go write my book. See you later, bye. Meanwhile, back at the sheriff's office, Amos is showing Marigold, like, the jails and giving her the rundown of what, are, what he wants her to do and all of that. And he goes back out and he says, why don't you stay in here and get acquainted with the cells and all that stuff and, and I'll be back. He goes out and... <laughs> I'm sorry this part is so funny so in walks Elmo which is a heavy set dude with gray hair and a gray beard 
and and he comes running like well you can't exactly call it running but he comes running up to Amos grabs him by the throat and he's like where is she where's Winnie and he has a bunch of other people with him who are trying to pull him off of Amos Marigold comes back behind from the jails and pulls her gun and says you be advised let the sheriff go and Amos goes, will you put that thing away? This is my brother-in-law. And Amos gets a phone call at that moment, and it's Winnie saying that she's going to dinner. But Winnie doesn't tell Seth, that, or I'm sorry, Amos, that she's going to, to have dinner with Seth. <laughs> So Amos thinks that she's having dinner with Jessica. And he says, not to worry, she's having a dinner with a friend of mine, the famous author Jessica Fletcher. And Elmo's relatives have come along with him on to get his wife. And they all invade Amos's home. We get introduced to them. And they are, oh my goodness. <laughs> Kenny Oates. And his wife, Flo. Kenny is... Is, I think, Elmo's brother. And so is Harold, who is sort of like a bartender. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just so funny. And I know that the guy who plays Elmo, has been in another episode before, but I can't quite place it until we go over the guest stars. But So they invade Amos's house, and he goes, why did you all have to come? And uh, Flo says something like, well, Kenny had to do the drive-in because Elmo is not capable. He, he's, he's tired all the time and can't see very well at night, and Kenny can't see very well at night, so I had to be his eyes. And Harold came because because he had to be my eyes in case I fell asleep. And so they practically kick Amos out of his own bed. And literally during this entire scene, Elmo and Elmo is played by Guy Stockwell. Um, I don't know if he's any relation to Dean Stockwell, um, who was in Quantum Leap, but um. This poor actor, I hope he got paid very well. Because in this scene, he literally at some point holds his glass up to Harold, who's a bartender, and just goes, eh, like grunting because he wants a drink. Then when Amos m mentions Winnie leaving him and wondering why, he goes, eh. like he just grunts and growls and does <laughs> Like, different things during the scene, but doesn't say a line at all. It's so weird. So eventually, Winnie and, and, and Seth come back to Amos's house. And they're a little bit tipsy. I don't know what they've been doing. Um, but she's telling Seth about Amos when he was a child and how ridiculous he was. And, and then they go up and they hear some voices inside. And Seth is like, ooh, I wonder if Amos is entertaining. And she knocks on the door and she says, like, as soon as Amos opens the door, she's like, I had such a fun time at the hotel set. And Amos goes, what? What did you do? And, he, and, and Seth goes, we had dinner, Amos. What else did you think? And, and um, Amos is like, I thought that you were with Mrs. Fletcher. And she said, no, I had to get my ulcer medicine. And I met him and we decided to have dinner. What's the big deal? And he goes, Elmo is here. Oh, he is. So she go she pushes Amos aside and staggers in. And Elmo jumps up out of his chair and he's like, where have you been? She's like, what if I told you that I was with a distinguished gentleman just now? I wonder if Seth would like to come in. And Amos says, as you can see, this is a family matter. See you later, Doc. And slams the door in his face. 
and I guess Seth staggers his way home. Meanwhile, back inside, Elmo is like, I've come to take you home. You're coming home with me right now. And <laughs> she says, no, I'm not going home. I want a divorce. I don't want to be with you no more. And he goes, the only way you're getting a divorce from me is over my dead body. And she just looks at him and then walks out the door. She somehow manages to walk all the way from Amos's house to Seth's house, which I don't know. There's got to be a map somewhere of Cabot Cove to tell us how far away everything is, but obviously it's not that far away. She knocks on Seth's door. Seth answers, and he lets her in reluctantly. And then he tells her that she can stay and then goes in and tell, tells her she can make tea or whatever. And then he calls Jessica on the phone. He says, Winnie is in my house. And Jessica says, okay, well, why are you whispering? She wants to stay the night. So? I am not atomically correct for her to stay the night. And she says, I don't understand. And he says, her husband is in town. And <laughs> she wants to stay here. And if she stays here, everybody will know because the tongues will start wagging faster than dogs do. Ellen, everybody will know she stayed here. And Jessica says, I can't help you, Seth. I have to finish my book. You're going to have to figure this out on your own. He goes, okay, woman. <laughs> if he kills me, then my blood is on your hands. And he abruptly hangs up on her. And she goes, Seth, Ugh, whatever. And then she continues writing. <sighs> so later that night, or, um, after he gets off the phone, they hear somebody outside, and it's still the dude that's following them, but more on him later. So then, like, in the middle of the night, Seth is trying to, or Amos is trying to go to sleep, and the phone rings, and it's someone saying that Elmo owes him money. More on him later. He goes into the office the next day, Marigold is there cleaning her gun. She has her own uniform because she used to be a, a meter maid. So she doesn't have to supply any... He doesn't have to give her a uniform. His deputy is trying to type up a police report. And uh, Amos goes, well, why are you doing that? And he says, she wouldn't. And she goes, I don't type. And then Amos gets some coffee and, and is like, oh, God, this is awful. And she goes, and I don't make coffee neither. I patrol. <laughs> so. Then Jessica calls Amos and she says she wants to invite him and Winnie over for breakfast. Because Amos knows that Winnie's run away, but she thinks, he thinks that she went to Jessica's to stay the night. She didn't go to Seth's, but now he's wrong again. And he goes, wait a minute, did you say invite her over? Didn't she stay with you? And she goes, don't worry, I'll tell you when you get there. When you get here. So when he gets there and he finds out that Winnie had stayed the night at Seth's house, he goes, oh my goodness, he's a bachelor. It must have been very tempting for him. Like, what? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, and she says, she says, no, it's, it was fine. I locked my bedroom door. god okay and she said i also closed my blinds because i heard somebody outside and i thought it might be elmo and he says oh no elmo was fast asleep his snoring kept me awake all night and jessica says well my book is finished and i'm happy now um and i'm so sorry that i've been so rude to winnie i will have um a a dinner party for you and your family and she goes elmo's family you mean and she says, yeah, sure. And Amos is literally like, yeah, 
Mrs. Fletcher is famous for her chowder. For her clam chowder. You have not lived till you tasted it. Oh, and you gotta make this, this, and this. And Jessica just readily agrees. <laughs> so, the family comes in tow with Elmo. And Elmo does not say a freaking word during this whole entire dinner party. He is sitting at the dining room table, just staring into space, not saying a word, um, just occasionally like raising his glass. Harold is the bartender. Kenny offers to help. And Flo tells him that he is not allowed to drink. The only thing he's allowed to drink is ginger ale. Um, and this comes into play later on. Um, so eventually, um, Seth asks, like, he met these people before, but he hasn't. Um, and I want to tell you guys, the 47 minutes of this episode is, like, goes on faster than any 47 minutes of any episode I've ever seen in my life. It's, like, that quick. So, so Jessica comes out and brings, like, a plate of... I don't even know what it is and they don't want to eat it because they don't know what it is. And I'm with them on this. And eventually Jessica asks Flo to come to the kitchen to help her. And she goes, as long as I don't have to taste anything. Sure. Jessica finally brings out her clam chowder and begins to serve it to everyone. Then she goes into the kitchen with Seth and begins taking lobsters out of the thing. These lobsters look fake as can be because they are way too red. Like they just don't, they don't look real. And she's putting them on a plate and we hear a scream. And I don't know. I want to say it was 15 minutes or less than that. When she goes into the kitchen, gives people the clam chowder. And then literally there's a scream. So we're supposed to believe that in that short amount of time, someone was able to, to do what they do, which I will explain here in a minute, um, what they do. And then, so they go into the dining room and Flo is like, I think they're dead because everyone has fallen into their soup with the exception of Amos who falls by his soup. Cause probably, you know, Tom Bosley was like, I ain't sticking my head in there. <laughs> and it's like, at first it looks like they're all dead, but no, they're all asleep. Because you hear Amos snoring and Seth goes, I think they're asleep. And he goes, looks like Barbados to me or barbiturates or whatever. And so he's like, we have to shake him awake. So Flo is picking up Kenny and, and Harold and she's trying to shake them. Jessica grabs Winnie. And in the span of doing all this, they wake up and they're like, oh, what's going on? And Seth wakes up Amos, and then after he wakes up Amos, he goes to try to wake up Elmo, <laughs> and Elmo is dead. But they call an ambulance hospital, and Jessica's like, I don't understand. How can this happen? And uh, Seth is like, we're going to have to analyze your clam chowder. And she's like, if you didn't suggest it, I would have. I would have. I want to know what happened because I certainly didn't put anything in there. So there was a dose of Barbados, which are sleeping pills put into um, the clam chowder. And, and apparently Elmo died of an overdose of this particular medicine. And this is, this was a very highly addictive pill back then that people used when they couldn't go to sleep and Jessica's like but who would put it in there and who would kill Elmo well the main suspect seems to be Winnie also forgot a minor detail before Elmo dies and before everybody else gets their lovely dose of Barbados the dude that's been following Winnie around literally talks to Elmo and says he owes him money but we're about to find out who this guy is. So Winnie stays the night at Jessica's house instead of at Seth's house. And she comes downstairs and they realize the medicine that she's taking has an ingredient of Barbados in it. So it could have, she is basically the main suspect because she wanted to divorce him. He said that she would have to kill him 
if he had, if she wanted a divorce from him. So all arrows point to her. Well, Marigold's walking around and notices that there is a man in Jessica's front yard looking for something. She tells him to freeze. He says, go away, leave me alone. I'm looking for something. And she says, I said freeze. He says, leave me alone. She knocks him down, pins him to the ground, handcuffs him. And he's like, the nerve of you. Amos goes outside and goes, what is going on? And she says, this guy was messing around in Jessica's yard. And he goes, there's a simple explanation for this, Sheriff. I'm a private investigator. My name is Ed uh, Bella or Bella Army or something. I'm a private investigator. Elmo hired me, and that's why he owed me money. But he doesn't have his wallet, because he dropped his wallet in Jessica's yard somewhere when he was wrestling with Elmo the night before. And, uh, and again, they have no dialogue. They're just, like, fighting each other, and Amos breaks it up. But uh, he doesn't believe him because he doesn't have his wallet, so he locks him up. And tells Marigold to, like, sort of watch him. So then Winnie basically tells Jessica that she needs to get more pills because she dropped her bottle of pills. And this was the days when pills were put in glass bottles. And she cleaned it up, put it in the garbage, and the trash man happened to take the garbage that day. So there's no way to clear her. So Jessica begins to sort of interview the family. She finds out from Flo that the brothers now own the pharmacy and Elmo was addicted to the Barbados and since he owned a pharmacy, he was running them into the ground by ordering them all the time. So the pharmacies that they own were near bankruptcy because of his pill addiction. So... All arrows point to Harold, the bartender, because he's the one mixing drinks and giving it to Elmo. And Jessica deduces that the only way that um, Elmo could have gotten the Barbados wasn't in the clam chowder, but was administered another way. And that would have been his drink. And since he took it all the time, he wouldn't have been none the wiser that it was in there. And Harold works at the pharmacy so he could get it and be able to slip it into the drink. And then someone was able to slip a small dose into the clam chowder to avoid suspicion. So Jessica thinks it's Harold. Harold takes her into Amos's house, mixes her a drink basically says that he doesn't want anything to do with the business, that Kenny and Flo is going to take it over. Um, he wants to mix her a drink that's his own concoction, and she thinks she's found the killer. But it turns out Jessica's wrong. And at that moment, she has an epiphany and realizes the killer is none other than Kenny. Played by Gregory Lewis, who was in the backdoor pilot for Empty Nest on the Golden Girls who played a man with multiple personalities and is always playing not-so-smart characters. So this is kind of a departure for him. He comes in and Jessica has her epiphany with the glass because he had a big, a little glass and then him and Elmo switched glasses and Jessica remembered that it was Kenny who ended up getting Elmo another drink, not Harold. So Kenny won't let her go. Kenny basically reveals that he killed Elmo because Elmo was going to ruin them financially and was a rotten human being, and someone had to do it. Marigold randomly comes in because one of, one of either Harold's car or Kenny's car 
I don't know whose car it is, is blocked, is, is parked by a fire hydrant. And she literally comes across the killer because Kenny tries to take out a knife and kill Jessica. Because he wants to cover his tracks. But Marigold comes in at the right moment and doesn't even know what she's walking in on, but literally knocks the knife out of his hand, knocks him down, and arrests him. Um, eventually, Marigold, before that, finds the, the uh, license of the private detective. They let him go. Um, they realize Elmo hired him to follow Winnie around, and in so doing, he falls in love with Winnie. And she goes on the bus with him, and it looks as if there might be a romance brewing. And that's the end of that. Honestly, this episode was really weird. The fact that Jessica literally is wrong about the killer, and then has an epiphany while she thinks she's confronting the killer, and then the killer just randomly comes in when she has that epiphany, and literally goes, up. Oh, she knows. And, um, it's just weird that there's just no continuity and also, it doesn't seem as if Kenny would have enough time to put the Barbados in the clam chowder and that it would act that quickly. It kind of reminds me of those annoying commercials where, like, they advertise, like, a pill or something. And literally, by midway through the end of the commercial, like, the people, like, are better, but they're, like, listing the side effects or whatever. Like, it's just supposed to work re like real quickly trust me when i say that that does not happen in real life so the fact that he literally somehow somehow like i don't even know how he had enough time like i understand putting the barbados in the drink that elmo drank but then how did he have time to put it in the clam chowder before jessica put it in in bowls for people and how did it make them go to sleep that quickly? That's the only issue I have. But I, I laughed so hard because it was so hilarious. It was the most hilarious thing, I, a hilarious episode I've seen in a long time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So let's go over the guest stars. So we got Colleen Camp. I know she doesn't come back, but... Let's see what else she guest starred in. Such a underrated, hilarious comedic actress. Oh, she just had her birthday. Happy birthday, Miss Camp. Love you, big fan. No, you're probably not going to listen to this, but I wanted to see it anyway. Or I want to wish you a happy birthday anyway. Alright, so she's known for Sliver, 1993. Clue, 1995. Love it. Die Hard with a Vengeance, 1995. I remember her in that too. <laughs> that was hilarious. And Wayne's World, 1992. Last known credit was 52577 in 2022. So she's still acting as far as yesterday, or uh, yesterday, <sighs> last year, geez, I'm getting tongue-tied, my allergies are acting up, I'm sorry, but yeah, she's such a phenomenal, phenomenal actress, I just love her, let's see, like House for Christmases, that weird movie, <laughs> Dead and Deader. <laughs> that was a TV movie. You never seen it, but that's just weird. Speed Two Cruise Control. Oh boy, that was a terrible movie. Oh, she was apparently in on Roseanne, but I don't remember. The Babysitters Club. Oh, Last Action Hero, love that movie. 30-something, Tales from the Crypt. Wicked Stepmother. Yep, last episode of Murder, she wrote. She was in Walk Like a Man, Police Academy 4, and 2. 
Oh, I thought she was in the first one. Apparently not. Smokey and the Bandit 3, which is considered one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, Valley Girl, Dukes of Hazard, Apocalypse Now, Dallas. Happy Days, Funny Lady, which was a sequel to Funny Girl with uh, Barbara Streisand. And her first known credit was in Marcus Welby, MD, in 1973. So she's active from 1973 to 2022. You go, girl. So good. Such a great actress. And happy birthday. Um... Sorry, having technical difficulties, as always. The internet does not like me. Okay. Henry Gibson played Harold, the bartender, who Jessica thought was the killer, but he was not. He died in 2009 at the age of 73. He looked familiar to me. He is known for Nashville, 1975, The Blue Brothers, 1980, Magnolia, 1999, and Interspace, 1987. Last known credit was in Boston Legal in 24 episodes. Between 2004 and 2008. Did some voiceover work for King of the Hill, Rugrats All Grown Up, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, the Elise cartoon series. He was in Wedding Crashers, The Batman cartoon series. I wonder if this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. Becker Charmed as the Sandman. Maybe that's where I see him from. Oh yeah, it is. The Guardian, um, Rocket Power, Race Across New Zealand. The Luck of the Irish. Yeah, probably seen him in that movie. That was a good movie. The Amanda Show. Hey Arnold, Sunset Beach. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Love it. The Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald. Oh my goodness. The Wild Thornberries. Ah, Real Monsters. Mad About You. Uh, Sisters. Tom and Jerry the Movie in 1992. Tales from the Crypt. Oh, okay. Mer he was... Oh, he'll be in another episode in, in season eight. So it must have been either Luck of the Irish or Charmed by Solomon. They look familiar. Like I said, Gregory Lewis played Kenny, our killer. He died in, I think he was in another episode. He died in 2015 at the age of 79. He is known for The Way of the Gun, 2000. The Devil Rejects, 2005. My Name is Nobody, 1973. Every Which Way But Loose, 1978. High and Outside, A Baseball Noir, was his last known credit in 2017. He was in 228 different projects. Wow. Oh, he was in Criminal Minds. I mean, he's been on a lot of things. Like, I, I recognized him almost instantly. But this was a, was a different type of role for him. Because he's always playing kind of, like, not the greatest, like, not the smartest characters. And this was where he was a killer. So, I mean, that was interesting. Cold Case. Yep, I remember him in that episode. Nick Tuck, Dawson's Creek. The Guardian again. Um, X-Files. Trilogy of Terror 2. Yep. Let's see here. He was in season three in No Accounting for Murder. I remember that now. It was not the greatest. I didn't really like that episode. Um, and he will appear in, in season seven and in season 12. By the time I get to there, I'll probably forget, but I'll eventually remember. You know, like I said, uh, Anne... M-E-A-R-A -A played Winnie 
Amos's sister. She died in 2015 at the age of 85. She is known for Heavyweights, 1995, Night at the Museum, 2006, Awakenings, 1990, and Reality Bites, 1994. Last known credits was Planes, Fire, and Rescue in 2014. Playing a character ironically named Winnie. <laughs> she guest starred in two episodes of Law & Order SVU, Wonder Pets, King of Queens, Sex and the City, Oz, Will and Grace, and yep, she played Peggy Moody from 1992 to 1998, and all my children loved her on there. Homicide, Life on the Street, Murphy Brown, In the Heat of the Night. Oh, and she will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote, in Season 10. But as a completely different character, because Amos, I think, is gone by then, so we'll go over more of her guest starring roles once we get there, which will be forever. Barbara Rhodes played Flo, and I know she was in Birds of a Feather in Season 1. She's still with us. She's known for The Goodbye Girl, 1977, Harry and Tonto, Bust and Loose, a TV show, and Quake, Quack, Q-U-A-R-K, a TV show. Never heard of it. Last known credit was in 2011 in One Life to Live as Irene Manning Lord. Guest starred on Law and Order, Cosby, Diagnosis Murder, Baby Talk, Dallas, Father Downing Mysteries, Generations, which is a soap opera, Dear John, 30-something, and this is her last episode of Murder, She Wrote, Cadney and Lacey, Magna P.I., Soap, The Lobo, Rhoda, What's Happening, Sanford and Son, Tabitha, Columbo, The Odd Couple, The Magician, Happy Days, McMullen and Wife, Love American Style, Night Gallery, Mission Impossible, the TV show, Mod Squad, Bewitched, and her first credited role was The Virginian in 1967. Quite the career she's had. Um, Dudley or Donnelly Rose played Ed, the private detective. He died in 2018 at the age of 81. He's known for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, 1969, Da Vinci's Inquest TV show, and 91 episodes. Tron Legacy, I saw that in theaters. It was not all that great. Snow Dogs, love it. Love that movie. Last known credit was in 2016, DC Legends of Tomorrow and in The Flash. Supernatural, The Twelve Disasters of Christmas, okay. Marley and Me, The Puppy Years. Aww. Battlestar Galactica, The L Word, Psych, A Tale of Two Wives of <laughs> The Young and the Restless, five episodes from seventy four to nineteen ninety eight. Okay, X Files. Lots of TV movies. I miss TV movies. Okay, let's see. He, he will be in season 7 and season 10. So we'll go over more of his guest starring roles once we get there. Guy Stockwell 
played Elmo. <laughs> he died in 2002 at the age of 68. He looks good in his picture on here. He is known for The Warlord, 1965, Quantum Leap in one episode in 1989, Airport 75, and B-E-A-U-G-E-S-T-E, 1966. Don't know what that is. Last known credit was in 1990 in Colombo. And his first... Oh yeah, Night of the Headless Horseman. And he will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in Season 7. And I think he's from the the days of, of the Hollywood studio system. And I think he was a friend of, of Angela Lansbury's. And that's about it. That's all our guest stars. Like I said, this was a really fun episode. I laughed until I had tears in my eyes because it was so freaking hilarious and I loved it. I'm, um, I'm going to try to post more episodes this month, but no promises because the weather has been freaking crazy here. I had to, I have had to put my air on, take it off, put it on. And my allergies have been acting up even, even after recording this episode. Um, but I hope everybody has a good day, night, has a safe pride, and is doing okay out there in this crazy world that we live in. I pray for peace every night before I go to bed. Happy crime solving, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye!